0: I do Thank you. Welcome. It's a little bit different this morning. Got some instruments out front, and some of our high school students and uh, early adult students wanted to get together and put together some music. And so um, we've been working on these for months, and uh, we're excited to share these songs with you. And we hope that you'll join in with us in worship this morning. And uh, this first song is from a little band you might have heard of. They're called Casting Crowns, they've been around for 25 years or so. Um, So if you know it, sing along with us.
1: on the screen we got a rock star preacher who won't wake us from our dreams we want our blessings in our pockets and keep our missions overseas. the sea.
0: Continue to sing with us. Just a few announcements real quick. Um, Elizabeth wanted us to know, and you to know, that we still need more trunks for Trunk or Treat. So if you uh, have not signed up for a trunk for Trunk or Treat, we'd encourage you to go back out here in the lobby and, and sign up to get a trunk. Um, also, if you're visiting with us today, first time here, it just have not been here in a long time, if you go out in the lobby, there you'll find uh, a table out there. It's a welcome table, and it's got a gift bag and some things about our church and ways that we can get to know you and ways that we can connect with you Uh, So, if you just want to grab one of those on your way out, that would be great. Uh, But right now, if you will, stand up and turn to your neighbor and uh, tell them hello, and then we'll get into a baby dedication.
2: All right, guys, if you'll be seated, I want you to direct your attention to the uh, stage. We're going to have a baby dedication. I'm going to call Zach and India Pearson to come up with Colton Case. Guys, if y'all just come up the center here, well, you can come up that way, that's fine. Yeah, you're good right there. We got two babies this morning. So, y'all come on up. Aren't they beautiful little boys here? I want to read this now. A lot of you know kind of the story to this. Some of you don't, so... <clears throat> and I'll probably say this wrong. They suffered from monodi, They were called monody twins, which... I don't know if I'm saying this right. Case, which one is Case? Case was intra growth restrictive. And I, I may have said that wrong. Now, they developed twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome and Case was given zero chance to live, and they basically told you guys to abort Case so Colt could live. And I talked with them, talked with Justin. I was in Walmart, talking to Justin, was crying and doing all that stuff. And uh, I said, you know, I didn't have an answer for him, other than just trust the Lord. And here we are. Is that not a blessing? Let's just give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You know, you think about, you know, we have prayer time, and we'll mention names and do this, that, or the other, and this is the answer to prayers that we have here. We have several in this church service we're going to mention this morning, so don't ever take for granted your opportunity to pray, and we love both you guys. We do, and we're so thankful for you. And uh, I thought of this verse. This is not the typical um, baby dedication verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean... (coughs) And lean not on, on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. And a lot of people talk about faith. I do. I preach about it all the time. But this is living proof of two people who place their faith and trust in a sovereign God. And I just want to thank you. You've strengthened my faith today. Uh, you had a lot more faith than I did. And uh, so let's, once again, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise for what he's done. Mm. But today we come to dedicate these two little boys to the Lord, and I'm going to ask you both the question. You're going to make a covenant today uh, with your church family and uh, and with these young men or, or little babies this morning. In presenting Colton Case to the Lord, do you promise through God's grace and the help of the church to teach your child the truths of the Christian faith? You also promise through prayer, word, and example to bring Colton Case up in the nurture, discipline, and instruction of the Lord. And church. You've prayed for these little fellas. Uh, many of you will have them in extended session, nursery, wanna, student ministry growing up. And I always say this, it takes a church to raise a family. So you're going to make a commitment today as well. Do you promise to provide spiritual instruction for cold and Case by giving of your time, talent, and resources to help them come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? And do you promise to pray for Zach and India? as they seek to raise Colton Case in the fear and admonition of the Lord. If so, would you respond by saying we do? Okay, there's several things we want to give you today. We have uh, two certificates, actually. We have one Lamb's book, so I'll give that to you, Zach. We have two student ministry t-shirts that we're going to give you. We have two Bibles, and we also have two letters. If you don't know, this is for Case on the day that he accepts Christ, whether it's When he's four or 94, this is his letter. It talks about this day, okay, and how you prayed, their parents prayed, and how we prayed for their salvation. We prayed for their health, okay, for them to be here. Now we're going to pray for God to save them uh, at an early age and use them for his glory. Amen. So let's pray together. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. I want to thank you for Zach and India. Uh, Lord, we don't know in life what we're going to go through. But Lord, we do know that you're sovereign and you're in control of all things. And Father, this family, during one of the darkest times of their lives, placed their faith and trust in you. And Father, this is a miracle this morning. And Father, I want to thank you for allowing me to be their pastor. And Lord, I pray for Colton Case that you continue to bring healing for their, to their bodies. Lord, help them to grow up. And be strong young men. I pray that they would accept you at an early age. And Father, should use them for your honor and for your glory. I I pray that because of their births, Father, that the name of Jesus would be glorified and his kingdom would be exalted. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you do. And Father, we love you today. In Jesus' name and all of God's people said together, Amen. amen. God bless you. Thank you guys so much. Here's your Bible,
0: guys. I love y'all. Okay? Love you both. You guys can stand up with us. We're gonna continue in worship. This song that we're about to do is one that we learned at summer camp and we just loved it so much. We wanted to bring it back here for you guys. So it's called Take You at Your Word.
1: You said your love will never give up. You said you're blessed. Girl-
2: Let's give the Lord a hand clap and praise. Thank you so much. As we come to this, this time of prayer, which is so important, Brian High, will you raise your hand? It's good to have Brian High here with us this morning. The day after his wreck, Justin uh, went into the ICU room. All I could do was cry. And to see Brian here today, I love you, brother. And God spared you for a reason. Love your boys. And this church is behind you 100%. Let's thank the Lord for that. I'm going to ask Kelly, Roney, and Doug if you'll come forward, and Cindy Lou and Freddie, if they'll come forward. We've been praying for Cindy Lou and Freddie for a long time, and we've been praying for Kelly, and a lot of us didn't even realize we was praying for her. Many of you know Kelly is the donor, Cindy Lou. And she has some very important tests tomorrow that we need to pray that they go well. And if they do, then they'll have a transplant Thursday. And just the way that this has worked out, it's just like a God thing. I mean, you just, you just can't make this happen. So I'm going to ask you as uh, the praise team leads us in this time, if we all gather around them and let's lift them up in prayer. Okay, Easton's coming down as well. Y'all, come on,
1: meet me down here in no okay. the
2: with me. Did you lift Kelly Roney up to the Lord in prayer now? She has some major tests tomorrow. And we need those to go well. Pray for Doug and their family. Lord, we thank you for this uh, act of love is what it is. Father, I love the Ronies. Not only I'm their pastor, but Lord, I consider them really good friends. And Lord you you touch tomorrow. We pray that everything would go well. Lord, you've answered prayer every step of the way in Kelly's life. And, Lord, we thank you for her sacrifice. And that's what it is. And, Father, I want to thank you for Cindy Lou and Freddie. Lord, I've known them so long. Just love them dearly. Lord, I consider them friends as well. And, Lord, we pray for Cindy Lou. Lord, you've brought her this far. And, Father, we pray that this kidney transplant would go well. Lord, we pray for both their recovery times. And, Father, we pray that you'd just be glorified through it, Lord. Lord, just as Zach in India and with Brian, Lord, we trusted you in their situation as well. And, Lord, we give you the honor and the glory and the praise for it. And, Father, we want to thank you, Lord, that we have a church family that can support us through these times and love us through these times. And, Father, we lay both of these uh, situations at your feet. And, Lord, we just trust you. We just trust you with it. Lord, we're not going to lean on our own understanding. But, Lord, we're going to trust you. Lord, you're sovereign over all things. And, Lord, we just trust you and thank you and we'll praise you for what you do for us, Father. And we love you today. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people say together, amen. God bless you. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Man, you know I love you. Ready? Was that not a blessing to hear our students singing? Was that not good? Very well done. Thank you, guys. Thank you for the songs that you picked out. Thank you for how you uh, you led us in worship. It was a blessing. What a great service so far. We've got to mess it up with a sermon, don't we? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3 and stand with me. We're going to be talking this morning about this topic, Give it a Defense, but in the context of these four verses. And actually, when you're studying the Bible, all that matters is the context Nothing else matters. Uh, he's talking about suffering. The suffering that he's talking about is not necessarily some of the things we've been talking about this morning. Okay, we got to keep it in context. He's talking about being persecuted. But the principles that go along with this, of course, we can apply them to anything we're facing. Okay? So notice what he says in verse 13. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? And what Peter is saying is this. Listen to me. He's talking about this this context of persecution because Christians were being persecuted Uh, in Asia Minor, where where Peter wrote this letter and sent it, and he's saying, who's going to harm you if you're doing good? You know, if if you have a flat tire and you're out of gas and it's pouring down rain and some guy comes up and changes your tire and gets you gas, are you going to beat him up? I hope you don't, okay? So what he's saying is this, if you're zealous, and some translations say, who's going to harm you if you're zealous for good works, all right? He's saying, you do everything in the context of suffering to be a good person. That's what he's saying. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. He says, Who who is he who will harm you if you do good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you're blessed. You ever feel blessed when you're suffering? Oh, that word is a a word that's reserved for certain people. God said, Paul is my chosen instrument for suffering, set apart. Mary was a virgin, they called her a harlot. They called Jesus an illegitimate son. And God said, Mary, you're blessed. That's what the word means. We've got to keep it in context. Okay, every word matters. He goes on to say this. He says, and do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. That's very important. Okay. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Probably one of the best things that you can do as a Christian today, regardless of what you're facing, is just sanctify the Lord in your hearts. So you can be saved and not do that. Oh, we, I mean, we're, most of us in here, probably 99% of us know the Lord. I would say there's a small fraction of people in here who don't have a relationship with Jesus. But I would say among us, how many of us have sanctified God in our hearts? See, when you're, it's easy to do that when we're praising the Lord. It's really hard to do it when we're suffering. And that's what he says to do. Sanctify the Lord in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense because there's always a good time to evangelize, Right? There's always a good time to evangelize. There's never a bad time to evangelize. Even when you're suffering. To everyone who asks you a reason for the hope. Now look at that word, hope, that is in you. And you do this with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good and for doing evil. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we submit to your word this morning. Lord, my opinion does not matter. My convictions don't matter. Lord, your word is all that matters. And Father, I want to thank you for saving the Apostle Peter, for changing his life. Lord, this epistle is life-changing for all of us. Lord, this section of Scripture is very convicting and challenging. And Lord, I pray that you should be honored and glorified because of what is said and done today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So, if you're going through suffering and in the context is persecution, which most of us won't face, the first thing we need to do, and this this applies to any area of your life, trust in the sovereignty of God. We've seen that this morning. What does sovereignty mean? Listen to this. R.C. Sproul said, The sovereignty of God is God's favorite doctrine about himself. Piper called it the continental divide of theology. A.W. Pink's... Describes the sovereignty of God this way, to say that God is sovereign is to declare that God is God. To say that God is sovereign is to declare that he's the most high, doing according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, so that none can stay his hand or say unto him, What do you, what dost thou? To say that God is sovereign is to declare that he is the Almighty, the possessor of all power in heaven and earth, so that none can defeat his counsels, thwart his purpose, or resist his will. To say that God is sovereign is to declare that He's the governor among the nations, setting up kingdoms, overthrowing empires, and determining the course of dynasties as pleases Him best. Such is the God of the Bible. How different the God of the Bible is from the God of the modern Christian church. Is God sovereign? Of course He is. Do you trust it? That's another thing. Think about this. Sovereignty characterizes the whole being of God. He is sovereign in all of His attributes. He is sovereign in the exercise of His power. His power is exercised as He wills, when He wills, where He wills, and whom He wills. This fact is evidenced on every page of Scripture. If God is not God, He's not sovereign. He's not. The sovereignty of God is the chief article of our faith. God rules, reigns, administrates. Every moment of every day, He is God. Nothing is out of His control. God has a plan and it will happen. You can't stop God's plan, neither can I. Right? Right? God's plan will happen. Psalm 96.10 says, the psalmist says, say among the nation God reigns. You know what the psalmist is saying? He's saying, I'm sorry about your God, Egypt, but our God reigns. I'm sorry about your God, such and such country, but our God reigns. There's one God and he reigns. It was Paul's message on Mars Hill. When he goes to the Aregapus and he stands among the, the uh, uh, educated elite of his day, he says, I see you all very spiritual. You got a thousand gods here. You even got a god you don't have name but my god reigns. Do you have that much faith in your god? Paul would say my god is sovereign over all things and your god is not your god is false. Psalm 97 says the Lord reigns let the earth be glad let the distant shores rejoice. Psalm 99 says the Lord reigns let the nations tremble he sits enthroned between the cherubim let the earth shake. Now listen, the fact that God reigns means that He has absolute authority over all of His creation. People, animals, weather, time, and so on. God uses and exercises that authority every moment of every day. God has the ability to make His plans come to pass. Psalm 115 says, But our God is in heaven. He does whatever He pleases. Do you believe God is sovereign? If you don't, good luck in life. Because life is going to smack you in the face. And the only person you're going to look to For guidance and authority is that person in the mirror. And you've done a bad job of that, haven't you? I mean, let's think about it. I would hate to be in complete control of my own life. Psalm 115 says, But our God is in heaven, he does whatever he pleases. Stephen Lawson said this. Listen to this quote Some Christians live in such fear, they act as if they believe in the sovereignty of Satan rather than the sovereignty of God. Peter says this, And who is he who will harm you if you become far as doing what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you're blessed. Do not be afraid of their threats. Don't be troubled. What he's saying is, God's sovereign. God is sovereign over all things. And trust him. If God is sovereign, you must first consider suffering, notice what he says, to be a blessing. Man, that is tough. I hate that. I do. I want everything to go smooth. I mean, have you ever suffered? I mean, the most suffering I've done is watching Carolina lose last night. Hit me right here. It hurt me, you know? I mean, I'm, I mean, how, how can I look at this passage and put myself in it? It's just tough. But that day's coming. It's coming. It's just coming. You're either in a storm, going in one, or coming out of one. That's life. Jesus says it rains on the just and the unjust. Okay? Be thankful for peaceful days. Amen? Just say amen right there. Be, be thankful for days where you're financially at peace, emotionally at peace if you have those in this world, physically at peace, And spiritually at peace. Because most of us, I'm just going to be honest, I'm going to be real with you as a preacher. Most of us are like this in all four of those categories, are we not? But guess who's not? God's like this, people. He's like this. And you're either going to trust Him or you're not. And what Peter's telling these people is this, listen, Monday might be good, but Tuesday's coming. (laughs) Right? But God's still God. You're suffering. He said, if you suffer... For my sake, this is what he's saying. For my sake, then this is what he's saying. Be blessed. Look at that word, blessed. One scholar says, it's not so much the idea of happy. Uh Uh-uh. I don't leave gravesides happy. I don't. I don't leave ICU rooms happy. Hey, I've been in every tower at Baptist. I can get you from one side to the other without going through the parking deck. Never leave there happy. Right? I've left there blessed. You know what that word means? It means you're honored. If God chooses you to suffer, then you're handpicked by God to suffer. Look at the people in the Bible. God said, Mary, you're blessed. Her life was a mess. Jesus' mom's life was a mess. Not, she wasn't a mess. Her life was. You want the favor of God on your life? That don't mean free parking spaces and, you, and you're going to make six figures a year. That means you're going you're to serve and suffer for the glory of God. And if you're not up to that, don't pray for it. Don't pray for it. I prayed one time, God bless me, and I end up pastor here. You want that office? Then come get it. You want that office? You want to set where I sit? But I do feel blessed. If you're suffering, okay, and you're suffering for righteousness sake, this is what God says about you, you're blessed. And the only way to understand that is to understand that God is sovereign. And if God is sovereign, you should be zealous for good works. Now notice how this verse, this translation puts it. It says, if you become followers of what is good. Other translations say that you should be zealous for good works. That word zealous, listen to how John MacArthur put it. What is the word zealous or zealot? It it's a person with a passion. It is a person with a great adore for some cause. If you study the New Testament background, you know that during the New Testament time, there were a group of people called the zealots. That's the word Peter uses, because Peter understood it. They were fanatical patriots in Israel, and they pledged to liberate Israel from foreign rule at the cost of their own lives, if need be. In other words, they were so committed to liberation from, of Israel from foreign power that they would literally murder, steal, lie, cheat, and give up their own lives for their cause. They were zealous. That's how devoted they were. There was one of them among the twelve whose name was Simon the Zealot. He carried a knife with him. He was a concealed carry person in the first century. Amen, I loved him. So there were, they were a political radical party who were willing to lay down their life on the line. The zealots in particular began at the time of the Maccabees, which was between the Old and New Testament. They resorted to violence. They resorted to assassination. Absolutely anything they could do to express their hatred of the pagan foreigners. They became a relatively significant force. So much so in Acts 21, it says there were about 4,000 of them. They were men prepared to take their lives and lay them on the line, sacrificing ease, comfort, worldly goods for the love of their nation. So Peter says, you be zealous, you be a zealot, and doing good. (laughs) Hey, listen, most of us will probably go to the second service after this one, which is Mexico Viejo, okay, all right, or the other place. Look, and if you give a $1 tip, don't let me watch you. You got it. If you give a one dollar tip, don't tell me you're zealous for doing good. I mean, is somebody making a dollar an hour bringing you chips over and over and over again or whatever. You know, bless people, be good, do good, be ze- If you're going to be zealous for something, be zealous for serving God, and be passionate about doing good, even if you're suffering. Is that not, some- is that not a mature Christian? I'm suffering. God has called me blessed, but I'm going to be good to you. It's hard to argue with that Christian. It is very hard to argue with that Christian. And then he says this, if, if God is sovereign, you should sanctify the Lord in your hearts. You should set God, God should be first, is what that means. Jesus said, seek you the kingdom of God first, and all the other things I'll add to it. Whatever that is, it's different for all of us, is it not? Is God first first? That word sanctifies means it's the Lord must regard. You must regard the Lord as holy. You must set Him apart. You must. God must be the first in your life. Okay. Trust in the Lord's sovereignty. Number two, if you're suffering for righteousness' sake, you better know what you believe. Always be ready. Now look at that. Three words. Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you. Notice. Look at the word defense. What the word defense means is that I'm defending myself and what I believe. It's formal and informal if you study the word. That word was used when Paul went to court and he defended himself. Paul would stand before kings. I'll defend myself. And he'd tell them who he was and what he believed in. Peter stood before Jews on the day of Pentecost and basically gave a defense of Christianity. He said, David's tomb's right there. Jesus' tomb's right there. David's in his tomb. Where's Jesus? The stones over here, which is a miracle, gave a defense. Now, you know what God says for you to do? To be able to give a defense for what you believe in a court of law. Number one, could you stand up in the courtroom in Alexander County on Monday and give a defense for yourself and what you believe? That's what he's saying. That's what the word means. I can't change the word. Okay. It's where we get the word apologetics from. It also means in an informal sense, which means I can talk to Randy about it, right? Look, now look, always be ready to give a offense to everyone who asks you, which gives the idea that you're not in court, but you're at Walmart, or you're at Dusty Ridge, or you're at Scotty's, or you're at wherever. And somebody comes up to Randy and says, hey man, can you tell me about Jesus. And you say yep let me tell you about Jesus and what it means is this I love how one scholar put it he says when you give this defense okay what it means is that you can give it um, intellectually you can give it winsomely you can give it with uh, grace you can give it as a matter of fact in verse 16 he says you're to do this with meekness and with fear You're to be able to talk to people. The best evangelism strategy is not me standing out on a corner preaching. The best evangelism strategy is me talking to you one-on-one. Like adults. The best evangelism strategy. That's what the word means. That when I talk to you, I can give it offense. And he says you're to do it, in verse 16, you're to do it with gentleness. Listen, if you're right, do you have to argue about it? I mean, two plus two is, if you want to argue about it, I'm not going to get mad at you. You probably went to some other school like Hickory High, I don't know, you probably were educated there, you know? I mean you know people at Sugarloaf, after they get through at the fifth grade, teach seventh grade at Hickory, alright? So that's how smart we were. But two plus two is four, I don't gotta argue with you about it. Why would I? You know, I heard one pastor who was very controversial, and, the, and, and I heard him preach in person in the 90's. And he was, well, I mean the place was packed. He's on CNN, Larry King. He always went on those. He never went on the ones that agreed with him. And I remember uh, one of the pastors asked him up there, they had a Q&A, he said, why don't you ever get mad on TV? He said, why would I? He said, I'm talking to people that are lost. He said, he said and, and he named the person that was, he just did interview with the week before. He says, do you realize that man calls me every day? Every day. Every day. And we talk about Jesus. He said, oh, I could have got mad and yelled and screamed. And he said, he called me this, this, and this. And I remember him saying it. And some things you can't say in church, right? Like Duke basketball. Can't say that stuff in church. Listen, he said he called me that, but he says, you know what? And he put out his phone. He says he calls me every day and you pray for his salvation. Why? Because I was nice to him when we talked. Listen, if you're right, why do you got to argue about it? Just share the truth. Speak the truth in love. He says, do it with meekness and fear. And what the word fear means is this. It means that you respect what's true. You don't compromise on it. You don't compromise and say Jesus is just one of many gods. He's not. That's blasphemy, and you cannot be saved if that's your belief system. Jesus was historically born, historically died on the cross for our sins, and historically rose from the dead. He's historically going to come back and rule and reign, and he is the sovereign God of the universe. And if you don't believe that, you can't even be saved. So you say, that, you say that with meekness and gentleness and fear, right? But you say the truth, you've got to speak the truth. Christianity, regardless of where it is on the planet, is right and everything else is wrong. And I trust God to make up the difference. I don't worry about it because he's sovereign. And he says to do it in, in another part of, the, of, of this text with a good conscience, which means this. You know what your conscience is? Your conscience will speak to you, won't it? That's how God made you. You know what's right and wrong. You know why your conscience tells you what's right and wrong. And Now, context is all that matters, right? In the context of giving it a defense, your conscience will tell you, you need to talk to Randy. Yep, he's lost. You don't want to, because Randy's going to scream and yell at you. He's smart. He's educated. He's one of those atheists, you know, those smart atheists. You know, the luckiest people in the world are atheists. Just nothing. Just something happened, and here we are. Man, I, I used to call one of my buddies Lucky Charms. You're really the luckiest guy in the universe, man. Just lucky. We're just lucky. You believe in magic? See, you, you believe in a miracle, right? That nothing created something. But what it says is this listen, it says if God tells me to talk to Charles, and I know the Holy Spirit guides us, and I don't, my conscience is going to pr- prick me about Charles till I die. I've shared the story of when I worked at Taylor King Furniture and the tobacco-chewing truck driver who, ne- who, I guess he swallowed his tobacco, he never spit, right? The foul-mouthedest person ever. My last week there, God put on my heart to tell him about Jesus, and I did not do it. One guy in, the, in my whole life intimidated me as this guy. And I remember being at a service kind of like this, and I prayed, and I said, God, if you'll give me one more chance, I'll tell him about Jesus. I did. I prayed it at an altar. I actually went forward. I usually don't go forward. I went forward. God, my conscience was killing me. Became pastor here. I went not pastor time. Became pastor here, going to Baptist, exit 170, I think it was. Getting diet sun drop and sunflower seeds before I go to Baptist. And I walk over there and I hear this voice. There's about four truck drivers there. and I, I knew it was distinct. There's my guy. You know what he said? Jamie Steele. What do you do now? And I said, I'm a pastor. Have a good day. And left. And to this day, my conscience still troubles me over this guy's soul. Listen, be ready, even in your suffering, to give a offense. And then the final thing is this. Share the hope that you have. Go back. I'm sorry, number three, Michael. Always be ready to give an offense to everyone who asks you for the reason for. Look, look at the word hope. It's the greatest four-letter word in the Bible. Love and hope. The word hope in the Greek means absolute certainty. It don't mean I hope it rains or I hope it snows. It means I know it's going to rain or I know it's going to snow. I know tomorrow's Monday, right? Unless Jesus comes back, tomorrow is Monday. I hope Monday comes. That's not what the word means. The word means that you have an absolute assurance. And if you read Ephesians, when it talks about us before Christ, it said we lived with no hope. Now listen to me. If you're a non-Christian here today, you have absolutely no hope. What's your hope in? Decaying quick? I mean, when you die, you don't go to Disney or the Tales of Motel, right? What is your hope in? The one thing God gave me, now I was a decent student in school and in college, but I knew every night I went to bed I was lost. And I had absolutely no—I knew it for a fact. I knew it for a fact. There was no doubt in my mind. And I kept playing those eternity games. Oh God, what, you, you give me another week and I'll get saved, or Lord, you wait till I have kids, or I get married, or I set in these invitations, grabbed a pew, and just make it through the invitation. Go, family, I made it through the invitation. And then Friday and Saturday was bad for me. I tried to drink it all away. You know what? can't out drink conviction, can you? You can't out smoke conviction. Conviction. You can't pill pop conviction, people. Can't do it. If God's after you, He's after you. And you know what God did when He saved me? He gave me hope. I got hope. Notice this verse on the screen, and I'll hurry. The wicked is driven away in his wickedness, but the righteous has hope in his death. Two people die. Described by their belief system. Not necessarily their lives, but their belief system. One is driven, look at the words driven away in the Hebrew, it's very important. And then the other one has hope. Now listen to this for the wicked. Two people die, right? Death is coming for us all. Now think about this. One scholar says about those words driven away, it means the wicked is driven away in his wickedness. He He would like to live, but he cannot. That's why they use the term driven away. He does not want to die, but he must. He does not go away willingly, but is driven away. That's his death. He is not let out, talking about his soul, but is forced out. His hands, if you will, grasp the earth. He clings to it with a wrench. is forced to loosen his tenacious hands. Yes, he is dragged out of life as a criminal from his home to a place of final judgment. But the righteous has hope in his death. Years ago, I was preaching in, in prison out here at Alexander Prison. I think it had about a thousand inmates at the time. I asked the warden, I said, who's the most dangerous guy... In prison. He said, Brother, I'll tell you the most dangerous guy in the world. The man without hope. He don't care. Here or anywhere else. He says, I hope you give these boys some hope today. I said I'm going to try. MacArthur put it this way: to live without hope would make life excruciating and really unbearable. But what if what if everything in your life was as bad as it could be? Think about that. What if everything in your life was as bad as it could be? Take everything bad that has ever happened in your life, roll it all into one experience and make it permanent. All the pain, all the disappointment, all the failure, all the hatred, all the bitterness, all the fear, all the anxiety and experience that to the full and then add this on, there's no hope. Don't get much worse than that. It cannot and it will not ever get better. That knowledge would compound your suffering exponentially and incalculably. If you were in the severest torture... And the most profound and relentless torment in all the realms of human faculty, physical and mental, and spiritual and emotional, and you are suffering in all those realms at the same time, and knew you were never, there would never be a moment of relief. Nothing would ever change forever. The suffering would be inexpressible. I just described hell. It is the place of the most profound suffering, compounded infinitely by the realization that it lasts forever. And nothing will ever change. There's nothing about fire that makes hell hell. That's just a picture of judgment. It's people living without hope and they could have it. Do you have hope today? Let me ask you this question. This is an invitation question. Is the God you serve sovereign? If so, trust Him. Justin, if y'all come and play for us, if you'll stand with me with every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment. They're going to play softly. How many of us today, need to turn once again to our Lord and trust Him whatever, whatever we're facing at this hour. What I'm asking you to do at this invitation time is sanctify the Lord in your heart and say, God, today I trust you with this. We need to bring the needs of our family and friends to the Lord rather than merely fret about the situations they're in. We serve a living, loving, and lasting Lord. He's majestic, powerful, eternal, triumphant, who reigns in truth and holiness. And someone in this service today needs to turn by faith to Christ at this moment. You've never trusted Him as your Savior and Lord, and He's calling you and desires to have you with Him forever. And I would encourage you to come now. As a family, surrender to the sovereign plan that God has for your life and thank God for his sovereign reign over the span of your life then rest in him and trust in him Father as we come to you in prayer we want to thank you Lord that you're sovereign Lord forgive me for so many times taking the throne of my life and doing it my way Jesus help us today as men and women and students Lord to sanctify you in our hearts and trust you Lord you are sovereign in your good Lord help us to share the good news that we have that gives people hope. Lord, if there's anyone here today who feels hopeless, Lord, show them their need for a Savior. In Jesus, you save. Lord, as you're sovereign over the, the days of my life, you're sovereign over my salvation as well. And Father, I pray that you'd save for your honor and for your glory. Lord, give life, open blind eyes to the need for salvation. Draw people to yourself. And Lord, be glorified through their salvation today. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you do, Father. In Jesus' name, I pray. As they lead us in this song, this altar is open for you. If you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, our staff is here to help you. If you're, if you're uh, in need of trusting in the Lord today, you don't have to come forward. You don't have to come forward at all. Right where you are, say, Jesus, I surrender it all to you today. God knows your heart.
1: All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Grace
2: heads real quietly and say this if you're a Christian today say Jesus today I trust that you're sovereign in this area and just trust him whatever area that is today make a commitment today to say God help me to be a person who shares the hope that I have with a hopeless world with gentleness and and fear if you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus today God hears this prayer Lord I'm a sinner and save me that's about what I prayed as a 20 year old young man who didn't know the difference between the Old and New Testament Jesus today I ask you to save me today Lord give me hope give me salvation Save me for your honor and for your glory. Father, we want to thank you for this service today, Lord. Help us, Jesus, as we leave this place. As mature Christians, help us to share the truth in love. Help us to be zealous for good works. And help us to share our faith until you come back. In Jesus' name, I pray once again, all the God's people said... Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much. And I hope everyone has a great Sunday afternoon and hope to see you back here this night, tonight.